Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We are so excited that you joined us for today's message by Senior Pastor Gary Hart from Victory Church in Great Falls, Montana. Our prayer is that today's message will inspire you to join us in changing the world by helping people find and follow Jesus. Now here's Pastor Gary. We are in week six uh, of a series that we've been doing on seed time and harvest. I think I have one more message that I'm going to share last week. We'll be done with this series of messages. But we're talking about the powerful principle of seed time and harvest, which came out of a revelation that God poured into my spirit, in which he said to me, everything in the kingdom of God operates by the laws of seed time and harvest. Everything. Everything in the kingdom of God operates by the laws of of seed time and harvest. So in week number one, we we came to the conclusion that if everything in God's kingdom operates by the laws of seed time and harvest, then everything that we do can be seen as a seed. We're sowing seeds every day of our life that are producing the outcome of our life. Choices are seeds. Hello? Hello? The choices that we make are seeds that we are sowing that produce a certain kind of harvest in our life. Words are seeds. The words that you're speaking, whether they're kind words or angry words, come on, they're seeds and they reproduce after their own kind. A soft answer turns away wrath. It's a seed, right? Um, Our attitudes (laughs) are seeds. And the kind of attitude you're putting toward me today, hello, it's a seed that you're sowing towards me from which you're getting a harvest. Ooh, come on, pastor, you're getting a little too personal. No, but it's true. Your expectation of what you've come here today is a seed that you're you're sowing to reap a harvest. So if you came today expecting, if you came today excited, if you came today with an attitude, I can't wait for God to speak into my heart, you're going to receive today. But if you came with an attitude, ah, it's Sunday, I'm just going to church. This is what we do on the weekend. That's all the harvest you're going to walk away from today. Turn to the person next to them. I'm so glad our pastor loves us. We learned a couple weeks ago that finances can be a seed. That the way we handle our resource, the way we we invest our money can be a seed that produces a harvest in our life. Everything in our lives can be viewed as a seed that is producing a harvest in our lives. Another way that we could say this is that your life today is the result of the seeds that you have sown into your life up until this point in your life. Let me say that again. Some of you are looking kind of puzzled. Your life today is the result of the seeds that you have sown into your life up until this point in your life. So you don't understand, Pastor, what I've been through. (laughs) And that's true. And I don't want to make light of what you've experienced However, ultimately, it's not what happens to you in life that determines the outcome of your life, but rather it's the seeds that you have sown even in light of what has happened to you in life. I can prove it. 
take two people who've been through very similar devastating circumstances. One is buried by it. The other one rises above it. What was the difference? One chose to sow seeds of discouragement. Why is me? You know, woe is me. You know, this, this always happens. The other one said, I'm not going to let this determine my future. I'm rising above it. I'm going to believe God for something better than what has happened to me. And the seeds that they sowed after what had happened to them determined the outcome of their life. Here's my point. You can't do anything about the seeds that you have sown in your life up until this point. But starting today, you can begin to sow different kind of seed so that you can get a different kind of harvest in your life. Today I want to talk to you on the topic of prayer seeds. Prayer seeds. And the question that I want to answer today is simply this. Why Christians must pray? Why Christians must pray? As Christians, most of us would know that we should pray, right? We know that we should. Most probably would believe that prayer is important. And yet statistics would suggest to us that as a whole, Christians really don't pray very much. And I think the reason many are prayerless is because they don't understand why they must pray. Because when you understand why it's important to pray, it will change the way you view prayer. Now, I want you to know today, I have an increasing desire as a pastor. It's the more I pastor, the more I preach, the, the, I'm just getting started, somebody. And, and the longer I go, the more helpful I want to be when I preach. See, it, it's important to me that I preach truth. But oftentimes, truth alone is not enough. If it's not helpful, there's a lot of things in this book that I could preach to you that are true. But they may not necessarily be helpful to you. Right? We could, we could talk about the seven signs of the apocalypse. and You know, that would be true. But it's probably not going to help you very much living day to day. And so I want to be helpful as I present the material. And so today what I'm going to share with you, the principles that I'm going to share with you are true. But I also believe they're going to be very, very helpful. And even for those of you who are here and maybe you're new to the faith or maybe you haven't even yet crossed over the threshold of really believing in Jesus, I believe that if you really listen to these principles, you will go away from today understanding why the world is the way it is and what you can do to make a difference in the world that you live in. Are you ready? Oh, come on, let's dive in. Are you ready? Come on, come on. Say, I'm ready. All right, why Christians must pray? I'm first going to give you the answer. All right, I'm going to give the answer why Christians must pray, and then we're going to break it down, and we're going to get to some understanding of this truth. All right, so here's the answer. Why Christians must pray. Here we go. Ready? Prayer is the legal means whereby God interacts in the world. Let me say that again. Prayer is the legal means whereby God interacts in the world. Now, to really grasp this truth, you have to understand two very important biblical truths, all right? Here's biblical truth number one. This is a planet 
in which the devil was given dominion and authority on earth by the sin and actions of a man named Adam. This is a truth. All right, listen again. This is a planet in which the devil was given dominion and authority on the earth by the sin and actions of a man named Adam. Those of you who are familiar with the scriptures would know that in the beginning, Genesis chapter number one, that God created mankind in his image, in his own image, male and female, he created them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion, take dominion, fill the earth, rule over it. God originally gave authority on the earth to mankind to rule and reign on this people planet. But we know that through deception, the enemy came in the garden deceived Eve. Adam was standing right there. He chose to willingly disobey the agreement that he had with God because God had said, you can eat of all the trees in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day you eat of it, you'll surely die. So Adam willfully broke the agreement by eating what God said, don't eat. And thereby Satan usurped the authority that had been given to Adam and Eve. And he became the prince of the power of the air of the earth. Right? Now, the scripture clearly indicates this. All right, Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. You remember the story? Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Three times Jesus is tempted. Look at the third temptation. Look what the, the devil says. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Do I have verse number 9? Or is it not there? And he said, all this... I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. He took him to a high mountain, took Jesus to a high mountain, said, all the kingdoms of the world, all their splendor, all this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. All right, now, we know that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be what? Tempted. So in order for this to be a true temptation, it had to be true. The adversary had to have the power and the authority to give to Jesus something that he did not have, otherwise it wouldn't be a temptation. Right? You can promise me something, but if you don't have it to give, it's not a temptation. You say, hey, I'll give you a BMW. Do you have a BMW? No, I don't have a BMW. Well, how can you give me a BMW when you don't have one? Do you see that? And so the adversary had to have the power and the authority to give Jesus, otherwise it wouldn't have been a true temptation. So we know that he was in a position of authority and control in the earth. How about this one? In 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 4, look what it says. And the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. There is a spirit, there is a blinding force at work in the earth today, in the world today, that is keeping people, keeping unbelievers from seeing the light of the gospel of Christ. There is an adversary. We have an enemy His name is the devil, and he is a ruling force in the earth today. All right? How about this one? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. As for you, 
You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. There is a spirit that is at work in the earth. It's a spirit of this world. That's why Paul said to us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a spirit that is at work in the world. There is an evil spirit at work getting people to do what he wants them to do. Come on. Even in Ephesians chapter 6, I don't have this scripture down, but I just thought of it. You know, the Bible says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air, the rulers of darkness in this present world. There is a ruling power. It's a presence. The devil usurped the authority of mankind when he stole it by deception in the Garden of Eden. So this planet, this world is under the control, the influence, and the rule of the devil and is not under the direct rule and control of God. God relinquished that rule. He relinquished that control to mankind. And mankind, therefore, gave it over to the adversary. Every problem that we have in this world finds its beginning in Genesis chapter number 3. Every problem. When the devil took control of this earthly kingdom, why do we have wars? Genesis chapter 3. Why is there sickness and disease in our world? Genesis chapter 3. Why is there so much pain and suffering in our world? Genesis chapter 3. Every problem that we face in this world system had its beginning in Genesis chapter 3. When the adversary took over control and authority and uh, dominion over the earth. Here's the second biblical truth that we need to know. Not only is the adversary and in rule over the air and the atmosphere of our, our world, but this is true as well. God is a just God. God is a just God. The, you know, the, there are a lot of attributes that God has. God is love. God is truth. God is uh, merciful. All these are true. But God is also just. So what does just mean? It means that whatever God does, he does legally. (laughs) Follow me. He operates within the parameters of the laws that were set up for this planet. He's just. Therefore, he operates legally by the laws that he established for this earth to operate by. He won't violate it, right? So whatever God does, he does, he does it by legal means because he is a just God. And since God gave authority of the earth to mankind, he cannot intervene in the world without permission. That would violate the agreement that he had with mankind and therefore would be illegal. Let me say it this way. I have some neighbors, Ron and Lynn. They're my next-door neighbors. They're the best neighbors in the whole world because they're my neighbors. But you see, every once in a while, 
Uh, when we go out of town, we, we call up Ron and Lynn. We say, Ron and Lynn, hey, would you mind watching Toby, our ferocious toy poodle, for a couple days while we're gone? And they always graciously say, yes, we would love to do that. And so we say, okay, here's the code to our front door. We tell them our code to the front door. And so Ron and Lynn go over, and they use the code, and they go in. They have legal permission to enter our house because we gave them permission to do so. But if someone else comes along that we have not given permission to, and they try to get into our house, they don't know the code. So in order for them to get in the house, they've got to go in by some other way. They either have to break out a window, bust the lock, do something, but it's illegal for them to enter our house because they've not been given legal permission to enter into our house. They entered illegally. So they did not enter in a just way. They entered in a deceiving or false way. God is a just God. Therefore, he does things legally. And Jesus spoke of this in John's gospel, chapter number 10. Look at verse number 2. One, two. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. In other words, he does so legally. God is a just God. Therefore, he enters legally. So why is this so important for us when we pray? Because prayer is the legal means whereby God interacts in the world. We invite God, the God of heaven, to operate in the earth below. You see, and the simple fact is most Christians are not aware of this reality, but this truth runs all the way through the scriptures. Let me give you some scriptures that you're probably very familiar of, but when you put it in the context that prayer is the legal means by which God interacts in this world, it changes your view of prayer. How about 2 Chronicles chapter number 7, verse 14? It's a very common scripture for those of us in the church. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's initiated on earth. It's executed in heaven. When God's people pray, heaven moves. You see it. We, the people of God, give God permission to operate in the earth, and God moves. In Ezekiel chapter number 20, verse number 30, God says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. God looked for somebody who would stand in the gap, the gap between earth and heaven, someone who would build up a wall of protection But he said, I found none. If you read the next scripture, it says, so I destroyed that city. Hmm. It was Old Testament, but the principle is there. God was looking for somebody who had legal authority on the earth, a representation 
of God's delegation to give him authority to operate in the earth, but he couldn't find anybody. How much destruction and devastation is being allowed to happen in our world today because God can't find anybody who'll pray it into existence. Jesus taught us this in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus tells us how we can make a difference in the world. Look at it, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Notice what it says. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He is saying people down here on earth can determine what heaven does. It begins on the earth, but it's released in heaven. It's awful quiet out there. This is some fine preaching you're hearing this morning, right? Jesus taught us this principle in the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember it? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. It begins. It's initiated on earth. It is executed in heaven. Our prayer makes the difference. Jesus echoed Matthew chapter 16. I don't have the scripture on the screen as well, but... In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus again said, Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. For where two of you shall agree as touching anything, it will be done by my Father who is in heaven. When he finds some people who can come into agreement on earth, it releases the power of God in heaven. Come on. We have a legal right to pray, and it releases, gives God permission to operate in the earth. Come on. The only legal way God can intervene in the world is if people pray. Let me see if I can even make this clear. James chapter 4, verse 3. Look what it says. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Sounds like a lot of us, isn't it? But what does it say? You do not have because you do not ask God. At least that's what I have in mind. You don't have it there, but you can trust me on this. You do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. See, we try all kinds of ways to get what we want. Really, all we got to do is ask God. Just think about this. Think about this. Let me, let me, before I get there. Since God is just, he doesn't impose his will on us but rather allows us to release him, to give him permission to operate in the earth. 
And this is why we must pray. As the great revivalist John Wesley said, listen very carefully, God does nothing in the earth except in response to believing prayer. God does nothing in the earth except in response to believing prayer. And I think that's a real key, believing prayer. See, I don't think God's so much concerned with how you pray or what you say when you pray. Well, I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. I don't think God's really, what he's interested in is do you believe when you pray? Whatever you ask. Do I dare to believe? Is, is, am I sincere? Am I earnest in this request? Because I think God responds to our earnestness. He responds to our faith. It's not the quality of your prayer. It's what's behind the prayer. If you're truly sincere, if you truly believe, if you're truly, tr- truly asking of God, I believe that he hears us and he responds to us. This is interesting. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, in speaking of material goods, Jesus said this, for the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So you might say, if the Father knows that I already need things, why do I have to ask him? Right? If he already knows that I need why do I have to ask him? Because prayer is the legal means where God intervenes in the earth. You do not have because you do not ask. He knows you need it. He's just waiting for you to ask. Right? Now, people may ask this question. Why isn't God doing more? I'm often surprised by how much he does in light of the prayerlessness of much of the church. Here's an interesting question. If heaven responded simply as a product of your prayer life, what would be happening in the earth today? It's a staggering question. If heaven responded simply as a product of your prayer life, what would be happening in the earth today. Prayer is the legal means whereby God intervenes in the earth. And that is why Christians must pray. If we don't pray, God can do nothing. He's not an authority here. And as you recall, when Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood, died, went to, to Hades, he stole the keys of hell and of death, and he rose again victorious. He stole back from Satan what Satan had stolen from us. Jesus took it legally by offering himself his own blood for our salvation and rising again from the dead, and he released us again to that position of authority. So we've got to exercise our authority in the earth. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed 
in heaven. Now, I want to close by walking us through the seven laws of seed time and harvest. And I want you to see prayer as a seed. Right? Watch. Seeds reproduce after their own kind. Prayer is a seed. Prayer is a seed. You have not because you ask not. We reap in proportion to what we sow. How much do you pray? And and I'm not talking about emergency prayers. Oh, God! Help now! Right? How, how How much time do you actually spend in the presence of God drawing on the covenant that you have with him in your prayer life? Number three, we often reap more than we sow. How many believe that's true? <laughs> I know that when I pray, when I get God's answer to my prayer, it's often far more than I ever dared to dream. Number four, we reap only on what has been sown. Some of us all are trying to reap from God on seed that we haven't ever sown. We reap from what we sow into. You sow into the kingdom of heaven. You can reap from the kingdom of heaven. Number six, we most often reap in a different season than we sow. Come on. Sometimes your prayer is prayed, but it's not answered for a while. Don't give up on your prayer. That's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 18. He told his disciples to pray and not give up. He told the, the story of the unjust judge and then the the woman who just came and continually bombarded the judge until he said i've had enough of this woman she's wearing me out give her what she wants most christians they throw a prayer up to god and if it doesn't happen they go, oh well i guess god didn't want me to have it how do you know you gave up and i, I really do believe this is my personal opinion i believe your prayers will outlive you My mother was a praying woman. (laughs) When she went to be with Jesus, God revealed to me that there's a bowl (laughs) in heaven, incense rising from the bowl, and the Bible says these are the prayers of the saints. Your prayers are constantly rising to God. I just think your prayers will outlive you. There's prayers that you may never see come to pass in your lifetime, but when you get to heaven, you're going to see that those prayers came to pass in the lives of those you prayed for. You may not see it in your lifetime, but you'll see it in the kingdom of heaven. That's why it's important for us to pray and not give up. And number seven, the condition of the soil can influence your harvest. What better soil is there to sow into than the kingdom of heaven? What more fertile, what more, more fruitful soil could there possibly be than investing your prayers in the kingdom of heaven? As the worship team is coming... Let me close with this. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Paul wrote this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart you believe and are justified, it is with the mouth that you confess and are saved. Verse number 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. You see, you can't even be saved without sowing a seed. Your salvation, the salvation that you're enjoying today is a result of a seed that you sowed. You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. You you prayed to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And as a result of that seed that you sowed, salvation came into your life. Now here's the really good news. This is one seed that produces a harvest immediately in your life. (laughs) It's the one seed that the moment you sow it, you reap the harvest. When you believe in your heart, you make him the Lord of your life. You become a child of God immediately. Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more information about Victory Church or to give online, visit victorychurchgf.com. Have a blessed week.